Today's reading is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. So we're in the summer season. It feels like we've been in the summer season for for weeks and weeks now. And actually, it's only now that the schools have broken up. And there's a sense in which we, I like to think, that, that life slows down a little bit over the summer. That's the theory. It never quite happens. But it's good for us to adopt a different rhythm and to just try not to be rushing around quite so much in church life as much as in our own lives. And so I thought it would be good to, to sit with Psalm 23 rather than rush through it in one week, to actually sit with it over a number of weeks because there is so much in it and just to to go slowly and to pause and to think of some of the the things that the psalmist is talking about he's speaking to the human condition and there is so much in it so we're going to linger and we're going to sit and dwell in Psalm 23 and I hope that's something that you'll find useful in your own lives that through the week you can maybe just take the, the one phrase that we have been thinking about And just dwell on that for yourselves. Nothing too difficult. Just a little phrase to sit with throughout the week. But just to begin with, I want to give you a little bit of a background. We know that the Psalms are a book of prayer and praise. They're like an old-fashioned hymn book. It was like the hymn book that God's people had and used regularly for times of celebration. And God is spoken to. He's spoken to in prayer. So many of the Psalms are very, very personal, and it's like an outpouring of one person's emotions in a particular situation to God. And we can use those Psalms to help us when we find we haven't got the language. That sense of coming and speaking personally to God in prayer. And other ones speak of God. Some are speaking directly to, and others are speaking of God. And they're speaking of God in praise. This is the God we worship. This is the God who we sing about. We sing our hymns like that as well. This is the God who we've come to worship today. And Psalm 23 is one like that. It is a profession of joyful trust. It's a hymn of glory, of recognizing who God is, who he truly is, and who we can worship and sing of in praise. And as I said, there are several themes that come through these very, very short verses. A psalm that you've probably sung or read or heard many, many times. But so much depth to it. God in this psalm is seen as the shepherd king. The Lord is my shepherd. Why shepherd? The term shepherd was often used to mean a king in the Middle East in ancient times. And it was a term picked up by the people of God in Israel to describe kingship. 
So understanding that the shepherd is a king was very normal to those people. It wasn't just the man or woman out on the fields. They would immediately see the symbolism within this and recognize that the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my king. The Lord is my king, king of kings, majesty. But he is also a shepherd. And it's deliberate that David has chosen this sort of ambiguity with using the word shepherd. Yes, it means king. But David, you remember, was a shepherd himself. He knows what a shepherd is like. And he knows what sheep are like. He knows that sheep wander their own way. If you've been out in the countryside and you see the sheep, they wander all over the place. They'll start following one another. We think of them as quite stupid animals. They don't seem to have much sense. And they wander. And of course David is saying, that's what sheep are like, but actually that's what humankind is like. That is what we are like. And so therefore we need a shepherd king because we are like sheep. And it's not particularly polite. It's not particularly wonderful saying, yes, these great human beings. It's saying, no, actually, because human beings are as they are, this is why we need a shepherd king. Sheep wander randomly. And without a guide, humans wander randomly through life. Sheep are defenseless. Not many sheep can defend themselves against other animals. And again, in the ancient world, one of the roles of the shepherd was to protect the sheep from wolves. The shepherd would even lie across the gap in the pen so that he would know if a wolf was on the way. And he would defend the sheep because the sheep haven't really got very sharp teeth. They haven't got a means of attack. They're defenseless. We are defenseless. Human beings are defenseless. We like to think we're strong and proud and we can do anything in our own strength. But actually we're defenseless. We need a shepherd king. And sheep are dependent. The book I was reading says this. Sheep can't even clean themselves. Cats and dogs can at least clean themselves. Sheep can't even do that. And David, from the very beginning, is getting to the heart of the human nature. We like to pretend that is not what we're like. But we wander our own way. We're defenseless and we are dependent. And we can be that because we have God. And that is why David can praise and say, the Lord is my shepherd. We have God, our shepherd king. Because we are like this, it is not a disaster. He's designed us like this because he wants that relationship with us. And it's okay to be defenseless and dependent and to know that we have the risk of wandering our own way because that means we turn to God. And the more we recognize our need of God, the more he's able to come and guide us and lead us so that we can be the people he has made us to be. If we carry on with the the sense of we are pretty good and we don't need a shepherd king, the psalm would read quite differently. I am my own shepherd. That's the risk, isn't it? Unless we recognize our need of the shepherd king, we become our own shepherd. I am my own shepherd, and therefore I am always in need. I stumble from mole to mole and shrink to shrink, seeking relief but never finding it. I creep through the valley of the shadow of death and fall apart. 
I fear everything from pesticides to power lines, and I'm starting to act like my mother. I go down to the weekly staff meeting and I'm surrounded by enemies. I go home and even my goldfish scowls at me. I anoint my headache with extra strength paracetamol. My Jack Daniels runneth over. Surely misery and misfortune will follow me and I will live in self-doubt for the rest of my lonely life. That's amusing and yet so true and so real. And David is saying, life doesn't need to be like that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's the little phrase we're going to focus on this morning. I shall not want. Because in God, we have everything we need. And therefore, we can experience contentment. The theme of today is contentment. How can we find contentment in the lives and the world in which we live? In the Western world today, finding contentment is one of the biggest problems, one of the greatest challenges. And yet, the truth is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want I was driving back from the supermarket on Friday morning and had um, the radio on in the car and it was Women's Hour. And this week it's been guest edited. And on Friday, the guest editor was Ariana Huffington. If you're aware of her, she um, uh, developed the Huffington Post, which was a, a sort of newspaper online service. And she's gone on her own journey in life, highly successful American woman, started um, in Greece. Um, but she has made it big time. And she had a major breakdown at one stage in her life. And she recognized that one of the biggest problems she had was this continual striving for more. That what society was telling her was that success was wrapped up in what you do and what you have. So the more she did, the more she had to do more and more. And the more she had, the more she needed more and more. And she never ever found contentment. And she reached the point where she ended up having a breakdown and, and life had to change. And what she does now, she sold the Huffington Post. She doesn't need to work, so you know, in that sense you have to take it, uh, you have to recognise that as well, that she's fortunate enough that she's earned enough money that she can live very, very comfortably without having to work. But she has set up another company that goes into businesses and helps businesses work out a different rhythm of life. Because um, studies have shown that if people take more care of their life-work balance, if they have more time for their family, for hobbies, for rest, if you can go on holiday and not feel you have to answer your emails, you get greater productivity. So it's actually better for companies to develop a better rhythm of work-life balance than it is for this continual, endless working of hours and hours and hours and never really managing to get a break. But breaking the habit is the difficult thing. When you're in a culture where this is what everybody is doing, it's very, very hard. So what she does now, she sends in consultants into companies and they're trying to re-educate companies on how to work a normal life, which if you turn to the Bible and understood Sabbath principles, we would see. But we've lost that. We've lost that sense 
of contentment, basically. Of how to be content and therefore to be better people. And therefore, ironically, to be able to contribute more to business, to life, to the universe. How sad it is that the world that we are living in means that contentment is something that we struggle with. How to be content? How on earth can we be content? And I think as Christians we struggle. We struggle even more with this because we know the reality and we know the truth. So we're trying not to be driven by the world's view because we know God's view. And we know the words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We know the truth in our heads. We know it in our hearts. But day to day, in the world that we are living in, when there's a different message being played out, how do we hold the two together? And I really don't want this to become a guilt-filled sermon. It'd be so easy. In this, I, I thought this would be a really good summer of not feeling guilty about anything at all, but looking at some of the blessings of God. So this is my challenge today, is to recognise a reality, but for us not to go away today feeling even more guilty than when we walked in the door, because otherwise I've achieved nothing whatsoever. But I do wonder whether the summer allows an opportunity to develop some different habits. We've got longer days with more light in the sky. And there is a sense in which time slows down a little bit, particularly in the heat. One of the joys of this wonderful weather is that people do tend to slow down a little bit more. And we should make the most of the time that we have. And if this summer we could actually think, is there one little habit that I could develop that would allow me to find more contentment in the right things rather than in the wrong things, then that would be really good. Holy Trinity School in Guildford has a set of values, as every school does. And one of its values I absolutely love. It's finding heaven in the moment. And for me, that is one of the clues to finding contentment. How can we find heaven in the moment? Having enough time and space and discipline to stop and to recognize the good things around us in the moment, to register them and to allow them to bless us. David knew the reality. David knew that in God we have everything. Contentment is found in our relationship with God in the relationship we have in Jesus. We do live in the world and we're not called to be hermits. We're not called to escape from it. But we are called to stand out and be different. Christians are meant to be countercultural. And perhaps that's something people might begin to notice in us. That we don't rush as much. That we do see things that we do smile more. We should be joyful and happy. And I just wonder whether there is something there. I was thinking, what, what would the difference be for me? What do I need to learn? I think, for me, I need to, at times, manage my diary better. To know what I need and to sometimes be ruthless. And the things that I need to ground me, I need to put in in red rather than in the ones that are willing to go. I remember Brian saying sometimes, uh, one time at PCC, what do you put in pen and what do you put in pencil? I put in pencil the things that do me good because I don't feel I'm always allowed to do them. And they're the ones that will go. 
for other commitments that then make me feel tired and drained. And too many of those, and at the end of the week, I'm not feeling very content. And actually, the going for a walk, the stopping, the listening to music should be in pen as much as the PCC and preparing a sermon. Because if I haven't got both, I'm not being true to who I am and what I need. I need to learn to say no more often than I do. We want to say yes to everything. And sometimes I need to learn to say no. I need to learn to delegate better. I sometimes think it's easier just to do it myself. And actually, that in the long term isn't going to help me. But to learn to delegate so that it's a shared responsibility. And for me, one of the hardest things, I need to learn to ask for help. Because I wish people would offer me help, but I don't articulate it, ask my husband. I can get really cross that the help hasn't been offered, but he hasn't even realised I'm needing it. And if he offers it at the wrong time, that's no good either. How much better life would be if I just was honest and said, do you know what, I'm really struggling and I need some help. How can I find contentment? Because the truth in my head is that I have everything I need. God is everything. I shall not want. How do I live that in reality? I think I can learn from Oliver. I think I can go back to the Psalms and remind myself of how great God is. And I think I can put one or two small things into place to make a difference. Will you join me? Amen.